skip everybody. Okay, I'm going to try not to use the F word because I want, is it being recorded 50 years from now? Though I want to want to be in a presented in a good light. Um, about 10 or 15 years ago, I was I I I we were in the parking lot out of an AA meeting, and a guy with the year said, uh, "Geez, you you talk like it was just yesterday you stopped drinking," and I said, "Yeah." Yeah, I, I, it is. I, I can smell the beef eater gin. Anyway, um, I was 17 years old. I uh, started drinking Thunderbird wine um, that, that might be familiar with some of the people from the States. Anybody from Europe might think you're, you've got a, I'm sure you've got your own rot gut. I wanted to be able to dance fast at a school function on a Friday night. After I drank the Thunderbird wine, I could not walk. I did not have to worry about dancing. Uh, there was three. Uh, I was just trying to think last night how many uh, how many incidents with drinking should I put in this, this story and do it fast. By the way, I just turned 78 in August, so when something pops into my head, I try to say it or it, get, it gets lost. So uh, we there were like three block parties. I lived on Long Island on New York. That's uh, an island to the east of New York City. And there were three block parties of which I was drunk at, in a fight, of course, with a chip tooth that had to get you know fixed you know, 20 years later, stuff like that. And I was thinking, you know, all the block parties now you see on on our uh, one of our channels at six six p.m. about how somebody shows up with a gun, and there's a shooting. So uh, I had a lot of incidents where there were no guns. If there's there was Hell's Angels once in Lake George, New York, but that wasn't an incident. That you know, always nothing bad happened. But I had somebody so pissed off one time at a bar that he went out to get his rifle to shoot me. So I had to get a special, uh, I had to figure out a way to get out of the bar, which I did. Somebody I knew got me out. So anyway, I got out of, I got out of high school uh, and I went to uh, the University of Buffalo. I needed to be able to uh, drink in the state of New York uh, at 18. Um, some of the other states were 21, and I had to, I picked a state. I had to be in New York and had to be far away from Long Island, where my mother was trying to drink herself to death. She made it to 84, and I stopped drinking at 24. When I stopped drinking at 24 in New York City, there was only one other guy my age, and he had already had five years. He was like, he got sober at 19. He's still sober. He's going to be uh, going to have like 60 years. I don't know why it's not 58, but he's going to have 60. But um, and I needed him because everybody else was 10 years older. And uh, we used to have some groups where only cops went or doctors go, you know, sometimes you need people in your, your own profession or your own age. Now there's a lot of people who come in at 21. So. Uh, and one of my groups, they, they there were four people that said, geez, I wished I had gotten so sober a little earlier. You know, the guy say he was 60. He wished he got sober at 50. Was, there were four of them. And my friend Vic said, Skip is the only guy at this meeting that doesn't wish he got sober earlier. You know, I just didn't want to. Be, how could you stop before 24? 
So I'm up in Buffalo, and now you're drinking in the cold weather, which is dangerous because when you pass out in the snow, which I did, uh, drunk, uh, and your fraternity brothers come back and get you 20 minutes later, you're lucky. Because if they didn't come back and get you, you wouldn't be listening to this story. And uh, I don't know what they would have put on the uh, uh, you know, in the obituary. He, he was an alcoholic or what? So, by the way, I only use my name is Skip. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, I just, I, that's the only time I use the word alcoholic. The only time I, anyway, that's the only time I use it. Um, with somebody's on TV, you'll, you'll, you'll find out. My, I've been married 47 years or whatever it is. And uh, uh, we, we met in 1974. I, uh, let me just try to make this a little more chronological. College in Buffalo was unlimited cuts for almost all the classes. So my philosophy was, if I can get a C and just go to the midterm in the final, that's good enough. And if you throw in a D, if you throw in a D, okay. But the the grading system up there, boy, this is the fact that he said I could speak for thirty minutes is really scary because a lot of this stuff, when I know the clock is running, we have clocks in the at some of the New York meetings, and uh, <laughs> we need clocks because people from the floor can't speak longer than the guy who qualified, you know, started their story. I I, I reminisce. Um, so I was uh, dropping classes. Getting drunk. Uh, I had a motorcycle in the wintertime. I had a sports car that you froze your ass off. All this with no money. I don't know how I... My, my father died when I was 18, and we got Social Security benefits for that. So that helped with some of it. I have a degree from the University of Buffalo. I had to go to summer school uh, three, three consecutive years, which was a quarter of my time in Buffalo. I, I, a quarter of my life was spent in summer school of which I never cut classes. And uh, they were all set up for 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. Monday through Thursday. And at 10, at 10 p.m. on Thursday, we would go out and get drunk. And, and you could drink, drink a lot because you didn't have to worry about um, class, class until uh, Monday, Monday at 6. Um, I, I so I I I got out of Buffalo. Um, I, by my first qualification, when I had ninety days, I spoke for thirty-five minutes. A friend of mine asked me to speak. I spoke for thirty-five minutes, and I couldn't get out of Buffalo. And he said, "That's it. You're done. You stop your story. We don't want to hear anymore." I spoke for thirty-five minutes. I could not get out of Buffalo. All the incidents. There, there was enough of them. Uh, I'll give you a, a funny one. That's is because it's funny because I didn't die. Okay. Things are not exciting enough in Buffalo, so you you want to go to Syracuse. You know, you're at the bar or you're at, you're at a house party. Oh, it's not exciting enough here. I think we'll go to Syracuse, which is about let's 120 miles. So you get in the car, you get two cases of beer, but one in the back seat, one in the trunk, and you're drinking. And uh, the guy who's driving doesn't want to stop the car when I want to go to the bathroom, so. I try rolling down the back window. It's a four, 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 uh, four door car. I try to roll down. Roll. I don't think it's the same with the cars now. I haven't had my Audi in five years. I miss driving. Uh, what a luxury having a car in New York City. It's like having wow. 
I had, a, I, had, I had a car in New York City for 20 years, maybe 25 years. It's complete insanity. So anyway, I roll down the back window and it doesn't go all the way down because of the, the wheel well. And, uh, and I, I got to really, I got to pee badly. So, uh, and he won't stop the car. So I open the back door and the guy in the front seat turns around, grabs me like in a fireman's carry around the, the chest. And the guy next to me grabs my belt and I'm hanging out the, the car on the New York State Thruway. I don't know what he was going. Let's say, let's see, the speed limit was 55 back then. So to stretch it, to, you couldn't go 80, that you'd get a ticket for sure. So let's say he was going 70. Here I am with my, uh, you know what, hanging out the back door with a windshield factor going across it. And I can't go. And eventually it's, the stream goes down the side of the car and out. And I just hope there was nobody, it wasn't hitting somebody else's window. And we're laughing and carrying on. Uh, that was uh, that was Buffalo. And uh, I got out of Buffalo and I'm back on Long Island. And uh, working at a defense deferment job, working at Grumman Aircraft is the name of the company. Uh, my mother's still drinking. Uh, all my friends are in Buffalo. They're getting married. Um, and, uh, I thought I could flunk the U S army physical, which I didn't. So I found myself in the U S army and, uh, which I don't regret. Uh, I particularly hate the Vietnam war and I'm sorry for the uh, 87,000 that died. I'm also sorry for the million who died from COVID, which is un in incomprehensible to me. Not to be too morbid, a million people dying from a virus. Um, so uh, I find myself in the U.S. Army, and I'm in uh, Fort Jackson, South Carolina. These are these. This is only pertinent to anybody from the states. Anybody who's still in Europe or wherever you are, say, "What is this guy talking about?" And uh, after 30 days of whatever they're doing to me. Um, they gave me a pass, and he, this officer said, well, what are you going to do? And he either called me son or boy, and I hate both of those. You know, son, what are you going to do? Boy, what are you going to do? You know, I hate both of those expressions, but I kept my mouth shut. He said, well, I'm going, I'm going to go into town, get a motel room, and uh, buy a bottle of, uh, of vodka. And he said, uh, you can't do that in this state. And I said, uh, I can do it in this state. And he had no idea how old I was. I mean, it looked like I was 17, had hair on my head. And uh, I did that. And that's I consider that social drinking. <laughs> Nobody else in this world accepted this meeting knows, you know, it's like the insanity of drinking. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, there were no um, half gallon bottles of um, gin or vodka in New York when I was drinking. I knew they had him in some of the southern states, um, but I don't remember it. Um, so I've already mentioned Thunderbird wine. Uh, somebody will have, from the states will have to translate that for what kind of rot gut you might have in Ireland. Uh, beef eater gin. I love when I met my wife. Uh, I said one rule, Diane: um, you can't drink beef eater. You just can't drink gin. If you open a bottle of gin halfway down the block, I can smell it. It's got the greatest smell. It still does. And uh, 
I squeezed the juniper berry about 10 years ago and I said, this smells like gin. She says, stupid, that's what it's made from. What the hell's the matter with you? She hasn't had a drink in three years. She was taking a pill and she didn't want to drink, so she hasn't had a drink in three years. And uh, I said, uh, you know, you're not taking a pill now. Why don't you go back to these two small glasses of wine that you're drinking? And she said, nah, I don't want to do it. I said, you know, the stuff really works good in the, at night. You know, it's real. You, you, her mother, uh, I'm Irish and Polish, half Irish, half Polish. I used to think the uh, Polish side had less of a drinking problem. You know, they blame everything on the Irish. But uh, my mother's maiden name was Devlin. So on my father's side, the Polish side, I had an aunt who died at 39 from alcoholism and her son died at 25. So, so much for which side has the worst alcoholism, you know? So, uh, Diane's mother, she's, Diane's Jewish. So, Diane's mother had a shot of whiskey. I knew her for 20 years. Uh, every night at 6 o'clock, for medicinal purposes. I don't know what that meant. I don't know it was for mental. One shot, she would hold her nose. You know, she hated it so much. She would take it straight out of a shot glass. And, and hold her nose and drink it. That's one thing I didn't do. I didn't drink straight like that with beer chasers. That's, a lot of people did that. That made me too sick. Anyway, now I'm in the Army. i got to get you out of the Army. I've got to get you to AA. Um, that was Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Then they sent me to uh, Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. There's somebody here from Missouri. So I just, I, you know, it's not like I'm making up these places because you're you're from Missouri. I actually was in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. And they tried to make me a Turk uh, uh, clerk typist. Uh, and uh, the problem with that is we were using carbon paper. And carbon paper for, for the young people is a piece of paper you put between the pieces that you're typing on to make a second or third or fourth, but we had six copies we we're trying to make. So after two months of of uh, typing, um, I could type nine words a minute. I just I just, just couldn't do it. I couldn't type the word the. I was afraid to type T E H, you know, and then I'd have to erase six copies. So we're it's a Sunday and we we were already drunk. This is a, we had must have been a, out on the we must have gone to a motel. I know we must have been a motel, Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Well, two things happened in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. One was a pool table one night when I was so drunk I could not stand up. I had to use the pool table to stand up. You know, it was, it was holding me up. Otherwise, I would have fallen down. And I couldn't. I couldn't miss. I couldn't. I was so drunk. I I couldn't miss. The balls were falling in. It was like the pockets were the size of whatever, and I couldn't miss. And the guy who was with me was making money hands over fist. And I'm egging on the crowd, you know, you know, telling these guys you can't shoot. You know, you know how you get when you're drunk and you, you irritate people so they want to kill you. So that was one experience. I got I've got three good ones in uh, Fort Leonard Wood. That one. By the way, I never woke up any morning and said, I'm not going to do this. I'm sure there are people at this meeting that have sworn off alcohol and then they change their mind at five o'clock at noon, at five o'clock at night, and they say, and they start drinking again. I never woke up and said, I'm not going to do this again. Well, when I was, uh, well, I want to get ahead of myself. I got to get out of Missouri because then I got to get to Fort, uh, Fort, uh, God, I forgot the name of it. It's near the Alamo. I was in Texas also. Drinking in Texas was interesting. Um, 
we, we don't have any booze. It's Sunday. So I jump in a cab and I go up into the mountains, which is like, I don't know what I'm doing. This is really, you, you got to be nuts. And be, uh, between the cab ride and the, the uh, court, I pay 20 bucks. So I get back to the motel and uh, the people are screaming, well, you, you paid 20 bucks for this. And my response was, well, do you want it or don't you? You know, do you want to drink or don't you? You know, that's what it costs to drink. So uh, after everybody else shipped out, because I couldn't type, they didn't know what to do with me. So I had a free pass. So I went with a guy. I guess he was going to Indiana. I'm not really sure exactly if that's up above St. Louis. But anyway, I went into St. Louis by myself, into a Marriott Courtyard Motel, got another bottle again, just like Fort Jackson, South Carolina. And it had a, it had a, a swimming pool in the center. It's like maybe... Used to say it was eight stories high, maybe it was five stories high. So I'm in there drunk, and I go out onto the railing, looking down, and there's a guy with two girls in the pool, and I'm I'm really drunk by now. And I, my thought was, um, gee, this is really this is sad. This guy's got two dates, and I, I'm all alone, and I almost went over the railing into the pool, and that would that would have been really bad. You know, you got that one little thing that just holds you back saying, this is not a good idea. Oh, God, I can't, I can't, I can't believe I, all of a sudden I lost work, the, the name of the, the goddamn fort I was in. And uh, anyway, I was in Texas. I drove, I drove for a colonel. Uh, I lived off post. I told them I had to support my widowed mother. I lived off post so we could drink more. I worked in a pizza place, drinking there too. One day I'm I'm so I, I had the dry heaves once I've had the dry heave once and uh, I go into I go go into the to the office an office these are barracks there was a bounce I ran a mimeograph machine that's that's a duplicating machine it's one step above Moses making tablets on the mountain you know it's archaic to get a second or third copy. And uh, this I had a woman boss. She was a civilian. She said, she said, Skip, I don't I, you look terrible. You know, she said, you're supposed to be ready to fight a war. And uh, so she sent me to the hospital to see to have me checked out. And they didn't do anything. So I came back. That's how bad I looked with the dry heaves. Uh, I, I don't want to go Germany. Uh, then I go into Germany. Okay, Dortmunder beer. I, I was in Germany for 13 months. I, I learned two two phrases in German. Ein Bier bitte, which I think you can figure out is one beer, please. One beer, please. And the other phrase was knock ein Bier bitte, which is another beer, please. Um, let me just digress a little bit about uh, sizes of drinks. I've been watching Midsummer Murders, where they they drinking. Uh, a, he drinks a pint out of a pint glass, and they fill it all the way to the top. And you know, two pints make a quart. And I said, well, you know that a quart of beer, you've got to drink a lot before it starts getting warm. You know, so the pint, you got to that. That's really a, a tough a tough thing to even get that down fast. So one of 
I, I know a lot of people, so I'm, I'm God only knows what you're going to remember about me. Is my title when I'm dead? Skip from New York, who uh, somehow managed to stay sober. But this this woman, I remember her because she went to Scotland, and she and she uh, asked for a pint of beer, and the bartender said to her, "We don't we don't serve pints to ladies." And she said, "Give me two half pints." She didn't bat, bat a lash. So that that was I I think that's un, unbelievable. The other thing is I always bought quarts, not fifths. I had to look up exactly what a fifth is. A fifth is seven hundred and fifty milligrams. That's what a side a, a bottle of wine is. And I used to say, well, wouldn't you? Why would you buy a fifth? Isn't a quart have more liquor in it? You know, I already mentioned about the half gallon stuff. So a guy said, well. I like I like fists that size because I could put one in each back pocket. So I said, well, that's a very good reason to drink drink fists instead of quarts. So my brother-in-law was was in town a couple of years ago visiting his sister and uh, he drinks vodka. So I went to the liquor store and, and the, the quart of vodka was 20 bucks. And uh, this, the half gallon, another quart was three bucks. So I said, Geez, my God, I, I'm not I'm not going to just get one quart. I'm going to get the half gallon for 23. I'm going to save a lot of money. I mean, I don't care how long I'm sober. It's still a good deal. So I got the half gallon. I don't know how much he drank, but he had to take it all with him. Um, the only I can I, I can I, I can tolerate booze in the house. What I can't tolerate is beer. You know, you can get really drunk on beer, but uh, when I was uh, 13 years sober, I was. Uh, I'll get you out of. Ger I'll get you out of Germany. I was, Germany was short and sweet with the drinking. It was just horrendous. Um, because see, the army doesn't like you to cut classes. They want you there at work. Um, I had a car in Germany, so I would drive. I was driving drunk also. Um, Maybe I will get us out of uh, uh, just one 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 horrendous well, not horrendous it was funny. We had an E five uh, on in the billets and uh, it was an old German Panzer billets three story high. Hot water would come on at three in the morning. Everybody would run to get the hot water at three in the morning. So anyway, we're drinking one night with a half gallon bottle of vodka, and. Uh, I'm keeping score, which I'm not going to be able to. We're playing pinochle, and I would I was not going to be able to see the uh, Jesus the score the next day to tell you. So we're supposed to have an inspection at five in the morning. So we knew we were going to have to stop at midnight. And by this time, I'm already drunk anyway. The, the five was going to be brutal to get up. And we're talking about how we always can get up. We, we, we there's no problem, no matter what, no matter how drunk we are. Um, the other thing I learned in the army was always sleep on your stomach. So if you throw up, you don't die. These are really good life skills. You know, I was five years sober before I could sleep on my back. And, uh, I used to jump up like that from the electric. I just, but I know some rock stars that died because they didn't sleep on their, uh, on their stomach. Anyway, uh, they come in at midnight and they say the inspections is off. So you're not going to have to get up until six. 6 a.m. So that gave us an hour. So now we're drinking with complete abandon, as if we weren't drinking with complete abandon already. 
they could not get me out of the out of the bed until 10 o'clock in the morning. Actually, I was uncomfortable. You could not wake me up until 10 o'clock. But because I had a, uh, I worked in the motor pool running the library, uh, the, the sergeant there had a drinking problem and he thought it was cute that I had one. But he didn't care. He didn't care that, it was for, that I didn't show up until 10 o'clock. Um, but I was really out. You could not, you couldn't wake me up. That's how drunk I was. I've been so drunk sometimes, you know, where you, you know you shouldn't drink. You shouldn't have had the last couple of drinks. You know, you should have you spaced it out a little better. So you have to resort to throwing up. But at least I know that it's not a lunchtime meeting, so I can talk about it. So you, you're so drunk and you, you stick your fingers down your throat and you wait. You have to wait a minute. Your body, the, the, your body doesn't know what's going on. You're standing on the curb so that you, the stuff goes away from you, doesn't go on you. And then eventually you throw up. And uh, that also is not social drinking. But I didn't say I'm not going to do that either. Uh, I, I could talk for a half an hour about hard contact lenses and drinking. I wore hard, hard contact. You notice I'm wearing glasses now. That's one of the blessings of AA. You don't have to wear contact lenses. Because when you wear hard contact lenses and pass out with them, your your retina doesn't like it. And uh, I I used to share that at a meeting, and people say, "Yes, I destroyed, I hurt my retina, I tore my retina because of these these damn contact lenses." So I learned how to take them out and put one in the left pocket, and one in the right pocket. Uh, because I I and I never remember taking them out. That was those kind of blackouts. My blackouts were also like. I remember driving up to maybe the driveway and and not not turning off the uh, not going into the house or the apartment. I get out of Germany, and uh, well, that 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 was that was a that was a bad enough that experience. Oh, we we this E 5s room we used to go into. They were they were they were smoking. All were smoking pot. My nickname was Juicer because I refused to smoke pot. I'm sorry, I have to back up again. On Long Island, in uh, before 19, little before 1963, they were putting glue in plastic bags and sniffing it to get high. And so I already knew that if if I if I did that, if I put my face in a plastic bag with something that smelled good, there's a chance I would die with my face in that bag. I I, I knew that, but I never could correlate that so much with the bee theater you know it just it was just more subtle you know first of all it was legal so uh and i also never smoked pot it was my, my groups in new york some some of the guys they talk about it because you can smell it on i live on 28th street people walking by it's legal now it's the strongest smell i ever smelled i mean the pot in germany we used to go in the E5's room and everybody was smoking pot and I would be there with my 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 six six pack of beer. And used to they used to call me juicer and I refused to smoke the pot. I was just so adamant about it. Stubborn beyond beyond uh stubborn beyond the expression contempt prior to an investigation. I love that one. I used to always cuckoo everything. Okay, now we're now we're out of G Germany, thank God. I wasn't shot, and now I'm back in New York. Uh, everybody's getting married in Buffalo. I don't want to be on Long Island. I'm in New York City. 
an uncle who's 18 years I, on my mother's Irish side is 18 years older than me, the youngest in the family. And he's sober two years in AA while I'm in the army for two years. And so I went to him. His name is Francis. I go, Uncle Francis, you know, I got all these issues. My, my dates with women are short-lived. Uh, I need an apartment. I need a job. I need some money. And he, 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 he was mixing me vodka and orange juice while he was doing this, by the way, which I, I, don't, I don't know how he could touch, do that at, at two years, but that's it. that was his business. Um, anyway, he took me to an AA meeting. So a lot of times you say, well, my rel I've got a relative who's drinking and, and they want to know, what should I do? My experience, only my experience is, just take the guy or her to an AA meeting. And see, maybe it'll happen. Something really strange happens here. So uh, they take he takes me to this AA meeting. And you know, I, I hope everybody here has had a chance to be at in-person meetings because there's a lot of people that have only been to Zoom meetings. You know, 20 years from now, they're going to say, I'm a Zoom baby. That's where I got sober. And you're going to have an elite class. But you know, at the... At the, at the uh, Meetings in person, he introduced me. So I didn't go in and I couldn't hide. I, and and the people rush up to you, welcome, you know. And I saw the, the sign on this. It said, easy does it. And I, I said, easy does it. I am visiting. Francis is my uncle. I'm just visiting. I heard that if you don't take the first drink, you cannot drink the second of course, the expression is if you don't drink the first one, you can't get drunk. Mine is if you don't drink the first one, you can't drink the second one. And I always wanted a second one. My expression was, let's go get drunk. I never said, let's go out and have a beer. Let's go get drunk. That was my that was my expression. So I had one other drunk after that, pretty close. And then uh, a guy extended his hands to me, became my sponsor on 74th Street, got me an apartment. And now I'm I'm going to one meeting a week. Like, why should I go to any more than I go to the classes at the University of Buffalo? You know, I've got things to do. Meantime, I used to work for McGraw Hill. That was my first job. And on the on that says, what are you what are your interests? And I literally knew that I couldn't put down drinking, but I couldn't think of any other interest I had in my life. I was 24 years old, college degree out of the army, and I had no other interests. Maybe sports car, a little bit of motorcycles. But I no, you know, I don't want to go to parties, I don't want to go to baseball games, nothing. So I left it blank. So I'm going to one meeting a week, and uh Tim is put up with this. I would some I would I would uh, talk to him to like two or three in the morning. And one day after uh Mark, you you you're terrible giving me an open slate like this. This is this is a very people in New York are going to kill you because the next qualification in New York they're going to have to rip out the mic. Um, I'm going to one meeting a week. Like wow, like you might like go to more, you know. And after six weeks, the desire to drink shows up, and it shows up in the form of because I can't stay sober forever, I might as well get drunk today. Of course, that's the mental obsession. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not telling anybody. I love it when somebody qualifies and they talk as if they're telling you something new. You know, it's not new. Everything 
I have is plagiarized. I haven't I haven't got a new thought in my goddamn head. Goddamn is okay, not the F word. So anyway, and it's not that I don't like the F word. I love the F word, but it, it's a verb, an adjective, a noun, and everything else. It's a it's a lazy way to speak. So uh I go next door and I say, Tim, this is this is terrible. These these people are old. I have been cheated out of at least 10 good drinking years. I, I can't do this. And he had a friend walk me. It was uh, 12 blocks. It was half a mile to another AA meeting. And, uh, you know, some people are shy. They sit in the back and, and stuff like that. I wasn't shy. I raised my hand and I said, this sucks. You know, it stinks. I don't want to be here. And the idea of not drinking is not appealing. I never took that other drink. I never drank again. How is that possible? Well, I didn't know the rules yet, but now I knew the rules. The rule was that without AA, I will physically pick up gin and drink it in the bottle. See, I thought that as long as I kept the first drink out of me, I had control of the situation. I believe that without AA, I will physically pick up the bottle and drink it. Just, well, I was on a bad roll with meetings. Everybody was irritating me. About two months ago, I said to Diane, I, I said to her, I said, if I don't go to AA, I'm going to drink. You know, you know, after 53 years, I know that if I don't go to AA, I'm going to drink. So now I knew what the rules were that I had to go to meetings. Oh, boy, just shoot you. I've been to uh, 10,000 meetings. That That's not a lot of meetings. If you do four meetings a week for 50 years, it, it come, I did more than 10,000. I've, you know, with the ashtrays. Thank God for setting up the ashtrays when you could smoke. I smoked four packs of Marlboros when I quit. I was seven months sober. That was one of, one of my dumber decisions. Because then all I wanted to do was drink more. You know, you deprive yourself of cigarettes. So anyway, now I'm going to three meetings a day. Go from one, one a week to three a day. Going to a lunchtime meeting, which we had in New York. And a beginner's meeting at, at six o'clock. And then the, a three-speaker meeting. A three-speaker, like three of me doing for an hour and a half. Where nobody shares from the floor. For two years. And oh. I'm telling you, she, she's still alive. Uh, I saw her about three, four years ago. She has two more years than me. And uh, she, I said, you know, Dion, do you remember the time after when I was sober two years that you, you turned around in the chair at a meeting and said, you know, Skip, I don't care what you say. You're an alcoholic. Like nobody does that, you know. Everybody's got to diagnose their own problem with alcohol. But she, I don't think she could take it anymore. I was a chronic whiner. But even though I was a whiner, AA could still put up with it. So this is what they did to me. So when I was 90 days sober, a week before, I was, my, my anniversary is the first 10 days of April. Now, I don't know. Remember, I told you I drank after the first meeting. And it was, you know, one or two days later or whatever. And that was my last drink. Then, um, so I don't know my my date, my date. you know, it's the first 10 days of April. So they come out of a business meeting of the group that I almost, I went to when I was going to drink that night. 
And uh, they said, you're the beginner's chairman. And uh, I said, I don't have 90 days. They said, when are you going to have 90 days? And I said, by the 11th of July for sure. They said, okay, we're going to wait. You're the beginner's chairman. This is complete insanity. I mean, I just don't want to, I can't overemphasize this. I already told you that I was completely out of my mind, right? Because I didn't want to be here. So, so consequently, this, and I, I pick speakers, Mark picked speakers, you know. I uh, I was picking speakers for this this beginners meeting. And they were they were crazy, they were as crazy as I was. You know, I did there was no serenity, and we would sit with two chairs in front of 30 people trying to get sober. There was a couple of ringers with 20 years in the in the in the in the crowd and stuff like that. And I did that for three months. Uh, and I, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And that's how you stay sober. The, the ashtrays are good too. Um Sometimes you have to fight to get the damn coffee pot, you know, and you come to a new meeting and you say you want to make coffee. They don't let you do it. You know, that's the best job in the world. Also, the cookies, you know, pick which cookies you want to eat, you know. So around the seventh month, I start going to a lock ward at Bellevue. And uh, there's a cop with a broken arm and he that's what he's doing the meeting. And he, but his arm heals. And now I'm he said, you want the meeting? So now I'm the chairman of a locked ward at Bellevue. And I'm still getting crazy speakers. And I, I would tell them, don't lose your don't lose your shoes because you, everybody else here has slippers. And that's how they tell us apart. You really could not tell us apart between the people that were actually locked up. And I would leave that meeting and say, these people are alcoholics. And I would I'm I have and I had to go to another AA meeting because it did it didn't it didn't help. I guess it helped in the long run on, on underneath. So I already told you at the end of two years, the insanity, the desire to drink left, almost completely left. And uh, well, you say, oh, well, he, well, he didn't work the right steps. How come he, well, what's his story? What's these guys drank, want to drink for two years? You know, what's his problem? Well, that's a pretty good trade-off to be, be 53 years sober, you know? So, I mean, I really can't complain about the two years. At my uh, Chinatown meeting, uh, there were three of us that used to sit in the back. And uh, we used to call it the almost, the almost who drank. And the woman had uh, 20 years, and she bought a bottle and uh, opened it and smelled it and didn't drink it. The guy just bought the bottle, brought it home, and didn't drink it. And I had almost wanted the drink for the first two years. Okay, year 25, I wake up and I say, this is a mistake. I have been in AA for a quarter of a century. I cannot possibly be an alcoholic. I was shy when I came here. Now I'm an insurance agent. Couldn't get a date. Now I'm married. Uh, I'm a different human being. There's no reason why I can't drink. It just it's not possible that I shouldn't be able to drink. And the insanity lasted for two weeks. And I was going to meetings and uh, it broke. It broke because a woman shared, um, if anybody's counting days, I think uh, Mark asked this, if, you, if you're counting days today, just listen to the end of the story. Don't listen to the beginning. 
So she had 14 years and she drank again. And now she had a year. And she and she raised she raised her hand. She said, I've got a year today. And she said, I never thought I'd have to come back to AA. And that that broke the insanity for me because I I was thinking, well, I've got enough money. I'll just drink myself to death. If if I start drinking and it's not good, I'll drink myself to death. The problem is once you start drinking, you may not die. And you maybe physically have to be forced to come back to AA. It, do, it doesn't do the job. So uh, I'm. Uh, it, it it only showed up just recently. It was it was cute about three months ago when I was on a bad roll of meetings. And I told Diane I got to go to AA. I also said at a meeting because I, I talk about this and people say, Oh God, how can this guy be talking about that? There's a possibility that that he could drink. Um. So I, I said at the meeting. Today, I'm physically not going to the liquor store to buy beef eater gin. I'm not physically going to buy it. Now, I've been a lot closer to drinking than that. The other thing I had with it was exactly how much beef eater gin would I need to start drinking in this apartment in New York City, which is a good size apartment. It's a one bedroom. And I figured 120 cases or 100 cases. That would be 25 cases long and four high. And I think there's six bottles in a case. Uh, I thought maybe it was only four, but somebody said it was six. And I said, you know, that that might be enough to start drinking again. And then the thought came was, the problem is I'm going to be able to drink it all. Then I'm going to have to go to the liquor store, probably get hit by a car, wind up in a hospital, and they're not going to let me drink. So that's why I come to AA, because nobody has strange thoughts like this. One brief thing about alcohol and and food. This is, I know people that use alcohol and food. They're sober. I have no problem with it. They got long-term sobriety. When I was in my insanity, when I was six months sober, I went to an AA party and they 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 were serving chicken. They brought the chicken out and at the last minute, I found out it was cooked in wine sauce. And I said, uh, I'm not eating. And, they, and I, I'm up against people with, not not many people back then had 20 years, okay, but they had 15 and 10. And they saying it's okay. And I'm saying it's not okay for me. And I didn't I didn't drink it. I didn't drink it. That's right. I didn't drink it. So in 1974, when I met Diane, I had quit my job and I was homeless. I gave up a two-bedroom apartment in New York City and I moved to the beach because I wanted to learn how to meet women without drinking. And so I met Diane on my birthday. August of 74, and she made an Atkins cheesecake with um, vanilla extract. Now, uh, I was trying to impress this woman, and I, I, so I had to say to her, I'm not, I'm not eating the Atkins cheesecake, Diane, I'm sorry. She said, why aren't you eating it? And I said, because it's got vanilla extract in it. And she said, you're not going to eat it. So we were in separate houses, and she went back to her house, remade it with vanilla bean, and we're uh, been together since 1974. Uh, she asked me because she was in, in advertising, knew a lot of people. There were a lot of drinking going on in that, a lot of drinking going on anyway. She said, "Don't tell anybody you're an AA," and I, I never did. I had to once eventually had to tell somebody. You know, after three months on on Fire Island, who she was trying to drink herself, I said, you know, you know, I do go to AA. Would you like to go to a meeting? And I did take her to a meeting. 
But otherwise, I, I guard my anonymity because uh, I have no problem. I have told people that, you know, I've, I've got a, a doctor to try to get her attention. I said, you know, I haven't had a, a, any alcohol for 53 years. You know, she doesn't get it. But I told a neurologist, and then I am going to end with this. I told a neurologist, be careful when somebody says they're going to end with this. That's a bad sign. You know, you're good for another hour. The uh, I told a neurologist just in passing that I, I hadn't had a drink in 30 years. And he said, uh, that's a miracle. And I said, how come? He said, once that cell changes, that whatever the cell he's talking about, he said, once it changes, it likes alcohol. And it's, it's really hard to stay away from it. And for some reason, I didn't ask him why he thought that. Well, it was his personal experience. It was just an off-the-cuff remark. Um, and I do have one other thing. Supposedly, they've, they've limit, they found out the, uh, the, the DA, DNA thing that uh, can predict alcoholism. And uh, if you, if you, if, uh, well, what good is that going to do me? If they, if they give you a pill, if they gave me a pill at 17 and said, you're not going to get drunk, I'm, I wasn't going to take it. I like to drink. I, I like I, I have a I had a great drinking life because they didn't kill anybody. But I think drinking is one of the greatest things in the world, and so is sobriety. And uh, I just hope mine don't cross over. Mark, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it.